بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين Tonight we get to uh, the part of the story of the beloved Prophet وسلم, in which he's continuously putting in work in his area, in his locality in Mecca, trying his best to practice the ayah to warn those of your closest kinsmen. And there's a very important point for us to, to take from this here and now. Again, we don't just want to go through the seerah and, and to gain and gather the information without it being transformative. When we go through the Qur'an, it's not just information and, and learning and reading and listening, which is good, that's beautiful and fantastic. But we want to turn the information into transformation such that it's not just the story of Moses and Pharaoh in terms of information, but also transformation. What can I do to become a better person from this story? How can I avoid being a person like Pharaoh? And how can I be more like Prophet Musa, more like Moses, peace be upon him? So we want to, to take the information, process it, digest it, reflect upon it, and then practice what we can on a practical level, little by little by little. You notice something during this phase in the seerah, during this phase, during the life of the Prophet, during this phase of da'wah in Mecca, you notice something, the primary focus of the Prophet is within Mecca. There's no doubt there are major issues in, in other parts of the world. There are major issues in the Persian Empire. There are major issues in the Roman Empire. There are major issues everywhere in the world, basically, including his locality. And his approach teaches us, especially early on, step one is for us to focus on ourselves, and then step two, our family, and then step three, our community. And when we really take the time to look within ourselves, within our families, within our communities, then we notice that there's a quite a bit of work that needs to be done. So you notice within Mecca, the primary focus of the Prophet ﷺ was within Mecca. So within ourselves, we should look within ourselves and ask, okay, as an individual, how can I take some good that Allah has given me and try to polish it a little bit more? And then how can I take the struggles and work on those a little bit more within the individual? And then within our families, how can we work on that? How can we try to improve our families? How can we try to, to, to be more compassionate towards our family members? How can we invite with love and compassion family members maybe to slowly but surely come back to Islam, period? Maybe to come back to the masjid, period? It's a, it's a long-term project, but we have to plant the seeds today if we want to reap the fruit tomorrow or next year, 10 years, maybe even a generation or two or three when we're not even here. But if we plant those seeds and then hopefully we water them a little bit, our time comes, then the next person waters them, their time comes, then the next person waters them. We don't have Islam today without the Sahaba putting in the work in their time, in their age, and then they pass the baton to the Tabi'in, and then they pass it to the generation after them, until us praying in a parking lot in 55 degree weather with pretty cold wind. This is not Canada, but for California, this is cold. We thank Allah for the blessings that He's given us. And we're saying, La ilaha illallah. We're saying La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah on the other side of the world from where the Prophet was. So we see fruit now that started with the Prophet starting with focusing on his locality. So for us, let's look at, okay, what can we do to help ourselves, our families, our community, the city of Elk Grove, Sacramento County, California, the United States as a whole. And then of course you have the global community as well. Right, there, there's a lot of work that needs to be put in at each level, but we have to start with what's small first, knowing there's no doubt there are major issues internationally and we try to work on them. We give them their due and we care about them. We do, 
but we also have to put in extra work the closer it is to home. Because there are major issues within our locality. We live in the richest country in the world, yet you still have a serious problem of homelessness. That doesn't make any sense from our perspective. So instead of only looking at the problem, and we do look at the problem, one of many massive issues within this country as a whole, okay, but what can I do to try to work against these issues on a local level? You notice the Prophet within this phase, والسلام, focusing and zooming in, you could say, on his locality within Mecca, really trying to work on, on the people closest to him, trying to share love and compassion to them, with them. Look at how Allah words it, invite people, call to the way, to the path of your Lord. With wisdom, right? and, and in a beautiful way. One has to do with the IQ and one has to do with the EQ. With wisdom, intellectually, this message, it makes sense. But there still has to be the presence of the EQ. It's not just mind to mind information from one mind to another, but also also compassion, love and mercy from one heart to another. Oftentimes that's actually more effective. A lot of the time, and we ask Allah to bless us and our youth, to guide us and our youth, to forgive us and our youth. A lot of the time when our youth turn away from Islam, either partially or entirely, a lot of the time, it has more so to do with issues of the heart as opposed to issues of the mind. Yes, there are issues that are out there. There are questions that are out there. There are a number of different, different topics to, ta to tackle intellectually without question. But what we, I would argue what we have to work on more so as more of a priority is the treatment factor. Because if there's a 16 or 17 year old and they have these big questions, very serious, valid, legitimate questions about Islam, about the Prophet, about Qur'an. It's a classic question. How do we know God exists? How do we know Muhammad was a Prophet How do we know Islam is true? How do we know the Qur'an is true? These are valid, good questions. These are genuine questions that our youth have. So if they have these questions, yes, there are answers for each and every one of them. There are rational proofs and answers for each and every one of these issues. But if they show up to the masjid, even if they find those answers, if they show up to the masjid and then people treat them like dirt, they're going to walk away saying that, you know, I thought I found the answers and I understand that, you know, one plus one is two and intellectually I found these answers to these problems. But if, but if there's this ayah, that you are the best nation sent forth to mankind, how come when I go to my local masjid, people, they treat me horribly? It doesn't make sense. So we need to have this healthy fusion between the IQ and the EQ. Yes, there are answers to the questions intellectually, but experientially, how are people treated when they come to our masajid? Are they treated with love and compassion? Do they feel welcome? Are they treated with open arms? Are they welcomed regardless of whatever mistakes they made, regardless of whatever history they may have had, and they fell down a thousand times? Maybe this is time, number a thousand and one, where they finally give it another shot. They gave Allah another shot. They gave Islam another shot. And they show up to the masjid, and maybe nobody knows them there. Here's the thing. They don't have to give us a 10,000 word essay these are the problems in my life. These are the questions that I have. This is the pain that I'm going through. Please just be nice to me. They don't have to do that and they shouldn't have to do that. When they show up to their local masjid, again, in Mecca, the Prophet focused on his locality. When they show up to the masjid, we, we may not know their story. Nobody may know them. But they show up observing. 
How am I going to be treated experientially? How is my heart going to feel walking away from either this masjid or any other masjid out there? How do you think the Prophet treated people who accepted Islam at this time? And how do you think the Prophet treated people even if they turned away over and over and over and over? The Prophet still had hope for them It's amazing when, when you look at just the example of Abu Sufyan it blows your mind. It'll bring you to tears. You comb through the seerah in detail. And then you get to the point of Fatih Mecca, the opening of Mecca, and you have Abu Sufyan submitting a request, right, through, through, through a, 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 a third party to the Prophet, ﷺ, through his uncle, Al Abbas, عنه, to the Prophet. Right? And Al Abbas mentions to the Prophet that, you know, Abu Sufyan is, is a man of sharaf, he's a man of, 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 of honor. Is there any way that you can honor him? Is there any way that you can honor him? And, and the conquest of Mecca, the opening of Mecca happens, and the Prophet honors of all people, Abu Sufyan, who had just accepted Islam, but it doesn't change the fact that he fought against the Prophet in one battle after another after another. He was the leader of the battle, the general of the battle of, of the trench. He wasn't just sort of involved on the fringes. He was the main person leading that charge from the side of Quraysh. Yet you somehow have the Prophet this whole time maintaining this, this inkling of hope, this glimmer of hope, maybe one day. Maybe not today, but maybe one day. Allah knows. And eventually, of all people, Abu Sufyan, he accepted Islam and the Prophet honored him This is who our Prophet is. How do you think the Prophet would treat someone if they left Islam and they got caught up in the streets and one lifestyle or another, whatever, and they genuinely, sincerely wanted to come back to Islam? How do you think the Prophet would respond to them? Ahlan wa Welcome back. It's good to have you back. I love you. I care about you, about you and your family. How are your parents? How's this house? The Prophet was, was extremely good and effective in turning another page. You have a handful of a few exceptions of people. Those are very unique cases, but 99% of the time, you had this love and compassion of the Prophet. And you wonder, why was his da'wah so effective? Why, why was it so impactful? Why did people eventually accept Islam after 20 years? Or, or maybe within a matter of moments, you have people showing up, they have one conversation with the Prophet. One conversation, and they didn't even get to the conversation. The Prophet initially mentions, And then he finishes and the man says, Wait, can you say that again? He says it. Can you say it again? He says it. That man came to the Prophet because he heard that there's this madman, he's crazy, he's a sorcerer. So he, he was freaked out to the point, I'll conclude with this, he put actual cotton in his ears. Tangible, actual cotton in his ears because Quraysh, they freaked him out so much. He just came to Mecca, he heard these things, there's this person, stay away from him no matter what, we're his family, we know how bad he is, stay away. He puts cotton in his ears. But they couldn't control what was between those ears. He thought to himself, look, if he's sick, maybe I can cure him. If he's, you know, if, he, if he's a madman, maybe I can cure him somehow. So he takes out the cotton, he goes and he asks the Prophet, he wants to talk to him. He walks away as a Muslim. The kindness, the compassion of the Prophet, that was, and it always was the, the main tool, you could say, in his da'wah. So we have to ask ourselves, as individuals, are we compassionate? Do we treat our family members with compassion, our community members with compassion, people in general? with compassion. If the Prophet can treat Abu Sufyan with compassion after all of those years, 
then we can try our best to be compassionate with those around us as best we can. We ask Allah to guide us and forgive us, and we ask Allah to help us to be people of, of, of benefit for us, for our family, for our community, for our locality, for our country, and for the world at large. We ask Allah to accept that dua from us. We ask Allah to make us people of mercy. Amir Rabbil Alameen. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil